The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. everybody welcome back to another edition of the teardown my name is jeff gluck and i'm along with my co-host jordan bianchi we are motorsports writers here at the athletic and today we have watched the race at talladega super speedway and we are here to talk about that uh jordan it was a it was a race where a lot of stuff happened i mean um you could sort of seize on a a few potential storylines here i guess i'm curious just to start off um, what, what was your single biggest takeaway from the race? You give yours, I'll give mine, and then we'll sort of go back and talk about each of those if, if they're different. I, I think the biggest takeaway because of the wreck itself was, was pretty significant. And I'm talking about Joey Logano's flip and then probably the in-car camera of Bubba Wallace, you know, basically driving through Logano because of that. I think people are going to be talking about that. And the fact that Afterwards, Joey Logano was talking about safety and raised the safety component of, you know, NASCAR needs to do something and protect the drivers better. And he was concerned that you know, the roll bar came down on top of his head and he was kind of in a compromising position there. And if someone would have hit him, we, we probably would have had another Ryan Newman situation. To me, based on the line of questioning after the race, based on the accident and based on Logano's comments, I think this is going to be what people are going to be talking about this week. Interesting. I, I, uh, I could see how that could be for me though. Um, I think what I'll sort of take away from today is that this was a race where, um, for much of the event, uh, you had a bunch of guys up there who hadn't won this year, some who had never won a race and it really was shaping up to be sort of that classic, uh, you know, Michael McDowell situation, upset mm-hmm. winner. Here's a guy that, snatches away a playoff spot uh, or, or gets his first career win, whether that was going to be um, an Eric Jones or a Matt Benedetto, a Bubba Wallace, um, you know, Ross Ryan Chastain. Yeah. Yep. Ross Chastain for sure. Uh, Eric Almarola. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously he's won before, but he really needed a, a win today. Um, you know, all these different guys were sort of up there for a while. Um, and then ultimately you had some of the, the great plate racers up there, you know, like a Ryan Blaney and a Keselowski at the end. And ultimately it's Keselowski who's able to get it done. And I throw Byron in there too. He's, he's turned into one of the great plate racers really uh, right good. now. So, um, that was sort of what I, uh, was, was taken away from it, but let's, let's talk about yours first and we'll talk about the implications of mine. So really, I guess, first of all, sort of interesting to hear, Joey Logano have sort of, uh, I would guess almost Ryan Newman esque. Uh, I, I wouldn't say it was a rant on safety, but strong comments yeah. on safety. You don't, I don't think I've ever heard that from Logano saying, um, Hey, we need to, we've got to do this. We've got to put a stop to this. We've got to do something different. Usually he's very sort of like, um, pro whatever's going on. Like, you know, I'm not saying he's a cheerleader for NASCAR, but he's, he's sort of like finds the positives about whatever's going on. Um, so obviously, you know, 
he, he was in, involved in an accident today that, that was scary to him. Um, interesting to, to hear those comments. Um, how, here's my take though, Jordan. I, I don't see what they can do at this point. Same. I agree 100%. What, what can you do? I mean, one, um, the, the rules package is kind of what the rules package is. And we're getting a brand new car next year with the next gen car. I don't see how you can be able to keep these cars, do much to keep these cars in the ground. And I don't think this is necessarily a, a huge problem. Um, we, we, yes, we had the Ryan Newman crash last year, and I'm certainly not diminishing that. But besides that, in Logano today, it's not like we've had a rash of cars flipping through the air. I was thinking back, uh, we had a run of talent, we had a run of super speedway races from about 2009 through about 2016. And remember how many guys were getting airborne and flipping into catch fences and that kind of thing? And that, that happened a lot. We're not seeing that to this level. Um, today's accident was a little disturbing, obviously, but again, we're not seeing this uh, repeatedly in these races. So I, I, my level of concern is high because obviously you want to protect the drivers and it it seems like there may be something they can do with the roll cage or, you know, kind of just in that greenhouse area there. But in terms of changing the rules package and this and that with, I just don't see anything that they can really do to, to change it. That's going to have much of a difference. Yeah, I mean, to me, like you said, I mean, with the new car coming, that really is a, a something that changes the whole calculation of this conversation. I mean, I, I don't know, like, uh, essentially you have two races left, unless unless you maybe use this car one more time in the Daytona 500 or something. Yeah, but, that's not um, happening. <laughs> so, okay, so you have two races left, right? Um, you're going to get try to get through these two races without killing anybody or getting anybody seriously injured. Now, I, I do think it's still a concern because, I mean, Ryan Newman thing could have gone real bad, uh, you know, if, if it's a slightly different angle or something. I mean, a car hit his helmet, essentially. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that could have been very close to losing a driver or having him seriously injured. Um, and this today, I mean, if, if Bubba Wallace nails, um, you know, is, is slightly forward, I guess, when um, instead of going under Logano's car, he goes right through his car or something, you know I mean? That, that could have been real bad. So, you know, it's hard to say, Hey, like, uh, it's, you know, no big deal. But at the same time, Logano gets out of the car safely and is able to talk about this. So, you know, it's, it's tough to sort of, um, I guess drum up that level of concern when these guys repeatedly go through these terrifying wrecks and walk away. Uh, I, I hate to sound callous about it, but you know, I also see, you know, you look at like a tweet like David Reagan made, right? Like Bob Pockers tweeted, Logano to MRN, the big spoiler is causing big crashes. It's not okay. And David Reagan quote tweeted it and said, LOL, the drivers are causing the wrecks. And to me, like, I, and and Logano especially is one of the most aggressive guys. Now, in this case, he had nothing. He wasn't doing anything he was wrong. A he, he was a victim. He but certainly he's been in a position many times where he's making an aggressive, daring move and you know, either he gets caught up in a wreck or he could have or whatever. And, and to me, like all, you know, both that wreck and the wreck, um, at the end of, toward the end of stage two, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm just like, what are, what's, you know, you and I did a, a, a conversation on, on the athletic yeah. this week. And we were like, you know, would you stay in the back? What would your strategy be? And, and we were like, I don't really see the point in trying to go up there for stage points at the end of these stages. You know, the, the risk is just not worth it. And, you know, you could see that today. Like, why are these guys, you know, these guys have a choice to not put themselves in this position, essentially. Um, 
you know, to me, I, I, I thought some of the wrecking was unnecessary today, especially the one at the end of stage two. You're like, is this really worth it right now, guys? Like, you're, you've you got to be there at the end of these races to have a shot, to get points, to win a race. Um, why, you know, I, I get the, oh, you got to get some stage points or we've got to, you know, try to get a playoff point. But I, I just repeatedly, I just didn't see how it was worth it. So um, I don't know. I just kind of, I, you know, you know me. I've been fired up about safety in the past and airborne cars in the past and overdoing me too, it. Me too. But today, I just, I just kind of thought that ah, is what we got. This is the package. Everybody knows what's going on. You know. Yeah, and I think when you look at the Ryan Newman's crash last year, NASCAR went and they investigated that, and I think NASCAR does a very good job of of determining what they need to do. And they did make some changes for that next super speedway race at Talladega. And they did some kind of, you know, with the greenhouse and the construction of the car and kind of protecting the driver. I think you're going to see probably something similar to that happen for Talladega or for Daytona in August. There's enough time here to do that. But the actual aero package itself, which is kind of, it seems to be that's kind of the, what people are talking about and the big spoilers and everything. To me, that it is what it is. At the end of the day, it, it doesn't matter what package you really have. Unless you have the drivers lifting off the gas and deaccelerating to some degree, they're still going to be in packs. And when they're in packs, cars hit each other. They they are going to flip over. It is an unfortunate reality of super speedway racing. So all you can do if you're going to continue to have this kind of racing and not change the tracks or, or you know some major reform with the engine is is make it where the driver is, is safer. And I think you're going to see something like that with happen with NASCAR because we have seen that before. Well, I mean, the the alternative, too, is to get that package back where, you know, there's that huge bubble and you can't get up to the guys, you know, and the one guy blocks both lanes all day, you know, like the Dale Jr. kind of strategy, you know, and, and Keselowski was actually really good at that for a while, too, in, in that package, You're, you know, where there's, you know, you just can't quite get there. And, you know, this package, for the most part, has been really, really entertaining, probably the most super, uh, entertaining super speedway package um, I can remember seeing since I've been covering the sport. Um, so, you know, it's, it's tough to sit here and one side of my mouth talk about, oh, you know, this is just, uh, this is too dangerous. And the other side I'm saying, oh, this has been really entertaining. So I think I'm going to stick with the, this has been really entertaining for the most part. Um, yeah, you know, you, you get guys in the Daytona 500 and parts of today too, where you calm down after a while, after a big wreck and they run single file for a little bit, but I think that if you go back and think about some of the really bad super speedway races, like where people ran single file, like the entire time against the wall and stuff, um, this package has really allowed them to race. I get that there's huge runs and it gets dicey and it's, it's pretty sketchy, but I also think that part of that's in the driver's control to say, Hey, let's, let's take a deep breath here. Let's not make these aggressive moves. Let's not make these crazy moves. And ultimately, um, you know, there was a couple of cars that wrecked on the last lap, but, you know, you didn't wad them up. There there was a, a, a couple chances to wad them up late. Um, you know, even before Martin Truex's tire caused the caution, you know, they could have, you know, they were coming maybe 15, 16 to go or whatever it was. And, and I was like, oh, man, this is getting dicey already. Then the overtime, obviously, you know, you're thinking, oh, and, and it was a clean overtime. You didn't you didn't need a, a, even a second overtime. Right. So ultimately, like, you know, it is somewhat in the driver's control uh, of how they want to race. And if, if they're wrecking um, because the runs are too big early in the race, um, I mean, not to sound oversimplifying it, but back it down. 
That I agree with. I mean, at that point, it depends on your situation. And, and to your point about some drivers having to, you know, you don't understand why some drivers aren't front. I, I, I stand by what I wrote on the athletic.com, which is for me, if a guy like Matt D, it is advantageous to run up front. He got 10 points today for winning stage one. Those 10 points are going to go a long, could potentially go a long way to helping him make the playoffs because we don't know if Matt's going to, is going to be able to win a race the rest of this regular season. And he may have to get it on point. So his strategy of wanting to run up front and be aggressive, I understand. Guys like Logano and Hamlin, I understand why they want to run up front because they've got nothing to lose in that sense. They don't, you know, regular season points don't necessarily matter, but playoff points do. And so I think it does depend on your position. But there was guys running up there today, uh, you know, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. as a good example of a guy who's kind of in a, in a, in a good spot points-wise coming in, and you've got a good car. To me, you don't got to be so aggressive, and you kind of back it down, and you, put your, you, know, you pick and choose your spot. So it just depends on your situation. But there are there is overall a sense of there probably needs to be a little bit more of a, 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 a de-acceleration of aggressiveness a little bit because there does seem to be this level of we just have to go after it from lap one. And we saw in the Daytona 500 on lap 15 what happens. And we saw today some guys got knocked around quite a bit. Um, you just you got to pick and choose your spots a little bit smarter. So let's talk about um, some of the guys that had a shot today, um, as I touched on earlier, and, and really sort of missed some opportunities here. Because I'm, I'm looking at the points report. And, you know, with McDowell finishing third and having a shot at the win, um, he jumped up four spots in the points to 13th is what I see now. So um, I think on the last podcast, we had talked about how, you know, now he had fallen out of the top 16. So that changed things. Well, now everybody who's won a race this season, um, all nine different winners, nine winners in uh, 10 races, um, they're all back in the, in the top 14 even. So you've got the the back sort of traditional points bubble. Um so below, uh, let's see. So the guys who who obviously aren't aren't locked in with a win. I mean, Denny Hamlin to say he's not locked in is is pretty crazy because he's got a massive, massive. <laughs> he's in. He's he's in. Um, Kevin Harvick is seventh in points. He's going to be in. Chase Elliott's eighth in points. He's going to be in. Mm-hmm. Kyle Busch eleventh. Not too worried about him. Are you not uh, worried about him? I, no, I, because I mean, he has a pretty big cushion not still. A ton, and if he has a couple of bad weeks in a row, and some guys come up and you know pop off a win, I, I, to me he's not like in a danger zone. But I'm in no way. To me, I look at it like Hamlin, Harvick, and Elliott. They're fine. Kyle Busch is kind of in that in between where I'm just not ready to. And the way he's been up and down, I, I'm just not ready to, to pencil him in the playoffs yet. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, you still have. Uh, you know, enough spots available on points, first of all. Second of all, you'd probably think he's going to run well enough to, you know, not fall out. And the people who are chasing him points-wise uh, for a bubble, I mean, you have Austin Dillon behind him. Um, he's 12th in points. And then uh, I'm looking at Ricky Stenhouse Jr.'s 15th in points, Chris Busher's 16th. So I don't have, like, they're, they've been having nice, solid seasons so far, but I don't have, like, a ton of, Faith in them, they're going to suddenly outrun like Kyle Busch or anything. Matt DiBenedetto, uh, he's 12 points out of the playoffs. He's the first guy out right now. Uh, Kurt Busch fell out today. He slipped three spots, and he's one point behind DiBenedetto. Then there's a pretty big drop-off. Ryan Newman, Bubba Wallace, um, Ryan Priest, Tyler Reddick, Cole Custer, Daniel Suarez, 
Chastain, Almirola, Jones. I, I just don't have like a ton of, I'm not looking at those guys. I'm like, Oh yeah, they're going to jump up and take a spot here. So yeah, I do sort of feel okay about where Kyle Busch is, but I, I think that my focus is really about like the guys who are on the bubble or, you know, really could have served themselves well, uh, by, by redeeming their season. Like, you know, Eric Jones right now, 27 points, right? Uh, Eric Amarola still only 26 in points. Um, Chastain 25th. Like those are guys who they all had a shot to win today. They're probably not going to make the playoffs without a win. I mean, unless there's some sort of miracle. I mean, that's safe to say, right? I think so. I mean, I look at it like, I mean, Eric Almirola said this week, he, he needs a win to make the playoffs. And I think that's fair to say. Now he showed speed at Richmond, finished sixth. Maybe, you know, he continues that form. He, he gets that win along the way. But the other guys you mentioned, absolutely. I, I mean, a Chastain to me, it's been a rough road for him this year. This was an opportunity to, to get that win. And Eric Jones, um, we know what Richard Petty Motorsports is. It, it's a struggle for them to be consistently fast on a week-to-week basis. They've had moments this year, but overall, it, it's a struggle. And I think this was an opportunity lost for a lot of guys. And they look at this race, they're going to say, darn, this one got away from us. Um, and I think that even applies to Matt D a little bit in the sense that this was a good day for him. He won a stage, he got those 10 points, and, and that, that matters. And that could matter big later. But one... We have talked a lot about him, how close he is to winning, and when's he going to finally win. At some point, you got to do it. You got to come through. And I mean, today you you can you can you can Monday morning quarterback and say what it should have could have on the, you know, on the restart there, and he could have moved up here, and he could have you know protected the inside line and whatever. But this does seem to be a pattern where Matt is in these situations late in races, and he doesn't close the deal. Um, if he misses the playoffs this year, I think he's going to look at this race as one that got away. Secondly, for a guy who is uncertain about his future, he's a free agent at the end of the year. He's not returning to Wood Brothers. We know that. A win goes a long way to help solidifying your ride for next year, and you still don't have that on your resume. Yeah, I'm, I don't really – I mean, when I look at a race like today, even with the restart and even having a shot to win it, I don't really look at it the same way like he blew a – restart at Kansas or something like that, like where, man, he was in control and he really let it slip away. I mean, there's so many little calculations in, in the last two laps of a super speedway race in overtime and getting the runs and all that stuff. I mean, unfortunately for him, he, he didn't quite calculate it the right way, but I mean, you know, I, I don't look at it like, Oh wow. He, he blew this opportunity and, and that was it or something. But, um, I, I understand your point that he's got to win at some point, um, and you can't just keep getting out of the car over and over and say, oh, we're going to get it done and you never get it done. But I, I do think that at some point he will get it done. And, and, uh, a plate race or sorry, a super speedway race. Um, you know, I, I can't really question. I mean, you look at, let's just go back for a minute. You look at Michael McDowell pushing Keselowski there, right? I mean, they, they, he was pushing him strong on the bottom line and McDowell singing, okay. I got to back up sort of like Denny Hamlin has done. I got to back up. I got to disconnect. He backs up to William Byron. William Byron says later, look, I'm, I'm just trying to push whoever, like if good for him, if he, I didn't know what he's doing, you know, I was just going to keep pushing. McDowell played it perfectly. Essentially. Like he, he backed up, he got the run. He pulled out on Keselowski coming to the line. Great timing, but he just barely didn't get like enough, uh, side draft off, 
Keselowski's quarter panel to drag Keselowski back and let McDowell get side by side with him at the line. Um, I mean, just a tiny, tiny little thing. But I mean, it, those decisions, I mean, everybody's making these decisions on the last lap like that. Again, I, I, De Benedetto, I, I, I just can't really criticize anything there. Um, you know, in that situation, it, it'd be different if it was an intermediate. No, I understand. And it's easy for me to sit here and point fingers and it is very easy to Monday morning quarterback, but to win these races it is a challenging. And I, and I go back to what I always say it's no coincidence that we continually see the same guys win these races, Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, Denny Hamlin, Orion Blaney. I'm going to throw William Byron in there as well, because there is a skill set to winning these races of knowing how to manage the draft, knowing how to set up somebody to make passes and this is part of figuring it out. But to me, uh, Matt is not a rookie. He is very experienced now. And at some point, you, you've got to be able to put this all together instead of just continually saying, oh, well, we, another one's going to give it away. We'll get the next one. We don't know when that next one's going to be for him because we don't know his future. I mean, if, I mean, if there's no guarantees that he's going to be with a, good as team, a team as good as he is with now next year. And secondly... You look at Team Penske this year. Uh, Keselowski, Logano, Blaney all have wins. They all have been very competitive. They probably could have more wins than they do. You can't say that about Matt this year. He has ran better the last few weeks after a miserable, miserable start to the season. He has rebounded incredibly well. But there isn't really anything there to say that they've got speed or performance to win elsewhere. I'm just not seeing it right now. I guess. I mean, as, like you said, there was three miserable races to start and now he's, you know, he's gone, his, his results, the last, uh, let's see, seven weeks here have gone 16th, 14th, 11th, 13th, 12th, 9th, 5th. So yeah. again, it's not spectacular, but it's pretty solid. It's the kind of, you know, as long as you finish in the top 16 every week, you should be a playoff driver. Um, he's doing what he needs to do to make I don't the think playoffs, it, but I'm talking winning yeah. though. Well, I mean, look, that, that guy, you know, who else hasn't won Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick and Chase Elliott this year. But Denny so, Hamlin and Chase Elliott have put themselves in position to win races. I mean, Denny Hamlin, we already know about that. Chase Elliott could have won. Not that Benedetto was in position to win races today. One. And Denny Hamlin's been in how many Chase Elliott has been in at least four off the top of my head. Uh, I mean, and they also, let's also be honest, they also have a track record. You know, Hamlin, Kyle Busch, Chase Elliott, Kevin Harvick. These guys win races every single year. They win championships in most of their cases. Matt doesn't have that track record. I'm sorry. Look, I, I, I get what you're saying. Up. I get what you're saying about like, hey, he's not a rookie anymore and all this stuff. But when you think about the equipment, I mean, this is a, you know, okay, you could argue, oh, the 95 car that he had in 2019 you know, I guess he, he could have, I mean, he, I mean, I thought he did pretty decent in the 95 car, but I believe that was their 22nd in points at the time was their best finish. Uh, then you finally get him in like a, an actual good car, which I would say, I wouldn't say it's, you know, the 21's like top tier, uh, but it's a good car for sure. Like it's essentially like the fourth Penske car. Right. And last year he made the playoffs, albeit barely and finished 13th in points. This year he had a terrible start. He's 18th, 18th in points, um, but he's had, he, like you said, he's run better. He's essentially only in his second year in a good car, where the other drivers you're comparing him against um, have spent many years in a good car. To me, in, in my view, so I guess I just give him a little bit more 
slack. I, I'm not as worried about, you know, his career at this point. I, I get, you know, these, these, it can be, uh, you know, sort of devastating to be in position and really wants that first cup win and not have it, get it done. But I, I keep going back to like, there's this, these races are crazy on a super speedway. And I just, uh, I can't, can't be overly critical when you're, he was in position. He was in a winning situation. He didn't get it done, but a lot of guys didn't get it done either. No, that's fair. And again, I, I'm looking at not just today. I'm kind of taking a step back and looking at the bigger picture. So I, I think we're just kind of looking at a little bit different perspectives. Well, he certainly could have used a win. I mean, um, again, Eric Jones, man, that was maybe his only chance to win. Uh, you know, maybe he, he'll get another one at Daytona, uh, super speedway race coming up, you know, the regular season finale, but you know, you can't really see him contending elsewhere. Chastain should be contending more often, but um, obviously, you know, it's really hasn't right now for Chip Ganassi or racing now. I mean, it, Kurt hasn't yeah. been running good after the uh, decent start to the year. It's just their performance as an organization has definitely come back, which is surprising because Chevrolet has done a good job of, of kind of reorganizing its engine package. And we, we look at Hendrick Motorsports. RCR has been better this year, at least more consistent um, for whatever reason. Chip Ganassi Racing has gone the other direction, and that, that is a little concerning. I had Kurt Busch missing the playoffs at the beginning of the year, and what we're looking at now, he is very much on track to do that. And Chastain's another one of those guys. You you, you look at, you know, you, you take a step back and you look at the big picture, he's kind of racing for his career in a, in a sense. Yeah, um, you know, I, I, I guess one person that also we really need to talk about is Bubba Wallace because yeah. um, here was a chance, uh, you know, he looked good today at times and really thought he was going to be up there contending. And unfortunately, um, it just didn't work out for them. Really, uh, you know, I guess, you know, they, they pitted for tires late, uh, as did Kyle Busch. He ends up finishing 19th. But, I mean, Bubba looked like he had a really fast car. And for whatever reason, they just can't really put a race together. Uh, 20th in points, you know, you shouldn't at all be looking at Bubba Wallace and that team, you know, as a, as a Gibbs car essentially and saying, well, you know, that might've been one of their only chances to win. I mean, they should be able to win every week, but when I look at the results, he has yet to score a top 15 finish, not even a, I mean, let alone a top 10, he hasn't gotten top 15 yet. That's not good. It's not, and I, and I think a couple things here. One, you're 100% right about not having a, a clean race from beginning to end. Every race this year, just about, it, it's been something. Daytona 500, they were very fast, shouldn't have been in contention for the win. Pit stop late, loose wheel, had to come back down, lost track position. Um, you know, there were issues at Las Vegas early on, mechanical gremlins. Phoenix, they had a, they were running in the top 10, and they had a questionable pit strategy, and they cost them a good finish there. Bristol dirt race, Bubba finishes in the top 10 in both of those stages, has a flat tire late after contact, I believe with Ricky Stenhouse Jr., has to make a green flag pit stop, loses out. Um, Martinsville was bad early on. I mean, this was a team that fell down a couple of laps, and they looked off. Then they got they kind of got back on the lead lap and used pit strategy and everything to, to get up there, and they end up leading some laps. But, again, they faded late. Um, Richmond was not good at all, especially when you consider how good Joe Gibbs racing was and Toyota is at Richmond. That was bad. And today, again, speed was there. You know, it, it didn't help that the Toyotas just really never got hooked up, hooked up like we have seen in the past. They were kind of discombobulated a little bit. Um, Denny Hamlin had some issues. Martin Truex Jr. had some issues. They just really just up and down day for that, that manufacturer. 
And as you said, they don't have a top 10, top 15 finish this year. They have thrown away a lot of points and, and that's concerning. And my second thing about this is you can sit there and say, this is a brand new team. And it is, it's a, it's a new driver in a new situation. Who's never been in this kind of environment before he's working with a crew chief, Mike Wheeler. He's never worked with before. This is a new organization that said, I compare them to Trackhouse Racing, and Trackhouse Racing this year with Daniel Suarez has had some very strong runs. They had a top five in Atlanta until Suarez sped on pit road late. He goes to the Bristol Dirt Race and leads a bunch of laps there and leaves with a great finish. And so when you compare 2311 to, to Trackhouse Racing, two brand new teams, um, it's not even close which one is, is performing right now above their expectations. Well, I mean, I do have to disagree with you there because, I mean, yeah, Suarez has definitely shown some flashes, um, but, I mean, he's 24th in points. Bubba's four spots ahead of him in points. So if you're going to say he's not even close to that, I mean, Bubba's outrunning him, essentially. Well, um, he's been able to put together finishes, but, I mean, in terms of uh, of actually looking at that and say, wait, wait a second, they're finishing in the top 10, they're leading laps. I mean, to me, at least there's something tangible there where you can point at and say, this is encouraging. Well, because what Bubba's I... Yeah, what, what, what was to best me, two though, races this year, the Daytona 500 and Talladega, those are super speedway races. To me, though, like um, Bubba, you know, I, I always said going into the year, he's got to outperform what the 95 car did last year because um, that was essentially the fifth Gibbs car last year, right? And Christopher Bell, uh, his average finish last year, I believe, was 20.1. This year, Bubba Wallace's average finish so far is 21.3. So um, you can't have the 95 car, you, like you said, yeah, it's a new team right now, the 23 team, but you can't have the 95 car from last year be outrunning what this new team with more resources and all that stuff is doing this year. You just, at some point, I mean, yeah, 10 races into the season. Uh, great. But I mean, five lead lap finishes in 10 races ain't going to cut it. Um, you know, they, they've really got to pick it up, especially with all the spotlight on him. Um, you know, you're, you're quickly going to have fans saying, you know, because what NASCAR fans don't like more than anything is a driver that gets super hyped and doesn't deliver results. Um, we saw it with Danica. People, there was a lot of backlash there. And we even saw it with times at Dale Jr. You know, the people who didn't like Dale Jr. They said, why are you talking about Dale Jr.? I mean, when I would write about him, you know, weekly for SB Nation, because I was like, he, you know, he's like the home team, uh, you know, win or lose. And, and we, de you know, he deserves a story because his fans want to know. I would always get backlash. Like, why are you writing about this guy? Like, you know, he's overhyped. So if Bubba doesn't deliver in this situation, you're, you're quickly going to get these people saying, um, you know, and there's obviously a lot of people who don't like him for different reasons than that, which are, you know, separate. I'm not talking about that, but, um, you know, performance wise, you have to deliver, and uh, I, I just don't know how, I mean, the pressure is only going to build on that team, you know, the longer this goes. So, And I don't think the schedule sets up well for them the rest of the, the regular season. If this team is going to get into the playoffs right now, their best chance is going to be on points because it doesn't look like they are capable of winning. The problem there is there's five road courses upcoming uh, in the regular season. Bubba Walls is not good on road courses. He tells you that. I mean, the people at Toyota will say, I mean, they have said on the record, Bubba Walls' weakness is on road courses. So, you're throwing, you've got five races where it's probably going to be a struggle. And so to me, the points that they missed at the, through the early part of the season is very, really could come back to bite them. And to me, this is a missed opportunity to win this race or to leave here with a very good finish. And to me, looking ahead, 
I don't, I'm not saying they're in must-win mode, but all of a sudden that, that regular season finale at Daytona takes on a much bigger, much more importance because that is v- looking like a must-win race if Bubba's going to make the playoffs and fulfill the expectations that people had for him. But again, I, I really don't even think they – I mean, we're talking about, oh, you know, they, they're not running well enough, but, I mean, they should be able to go to Kansas next week with a Joe Gibbs racing car – and be able to run top five. Like, why should they not be able to do that? You know, I understand they haven't done it, but they should they, they should have the speed and the equipment to do that. So I can't really count them out when you say, okay, Kansas, Darlington, and Dover are coming up as the next three races. He should be able to go there and run and reel off three straight top tens. I don't see why they can't. You should, but I also wouldn't think they'd start the season with no top ten finishes. And I will say this, Dover is actually a good track for Baba. He was very competitive there in the Xfinity Series many times. That could be a place where he, you know, kind of gets the season right. But I, I just know what I see. And I know that the, you compare their speed to the other four JGR Toyotas, and it, there is a difference uh, right now. And that is concerning to me where they, they're not going to be able just to just all of a sudden switch a, flip a switch and think they're going to be competitive. Well, let's talk about um, the guy who won the race today, Brad Kozlowski. Obviously, first win of the year. Um, you know, I, I guess it's – you know, it's, we almost take it for granted that, okay, yeah, Keselowski, you know, Talladega, it's the sixth time he's <laughs> we won waited there. this long to talk about him. Well, I mean, it's just, I don't even know what I have to say about him other than like, you know, he's, he's obviously one of the all-time greats there. Um, you know, he's, he's with the likes of the Earnhardts and Jeff Gordon there in terms of his total career wins. I mean, uh, it's, it's really, he's, he's a master of that place. It's been a few years since he won there, but I mean, gosh, he's, He's just amazing there. I mean, you look at his, I think his, his next best total, uh, is three wins in any track. So he has double the wins at Talladega as he has at any other track. Um, you know, of course you always know he's going to be a threat there. He put himself in position late. He's able to get it done. Um, you know, I think it's the only big surprise is that it, you know, like some of those other contenders that, that it took him this long to win this year. But, um, certainly when you can take advantage of a Talladega a place, he's great. You can't expect him to win there because of all the randomness that can happen there. But he only led one lap today, and that was the most important one, you know? He was. He, he is excellent in these races. He is one of those guys you always circle when you come to Daytona or Talladega as a threat to win. And he showed why again today. It was a very atypical win for Brad Keselowski. Typically, he is up front, kind of setting the pace, controlling the draft, and he's very good at that. But this was a different Brad. He, he was not content to run the pack, but he just never got the track position he needed to, to control the race, which is why he only led one lap. I, I, to me, the, the thing, too, to speak of is that Ford, particularly Team Penske, is so good in these races, and they have become for the last, I don't know, what is it now, since 2012, when, when Brad won his first or second Talladega race, but the first for Penske in a long time. They are just so good in these races. I mean, Logano, Keselowski, and Blaney are always in the mix. Blaney won here last year. Logano's won here multiple times. Even if you include Daytona in this, it is stunning the approach that they have that continually puts their guys in a position to execute race after race. You aren't supposed to do this well at these kind of races repeatedly and supposed to win these races repeatedly, but they have figured it out along with a couple other guys in other organizations. Penske deserves a lot of kudos because they have a winning plan every single time they roll into Daytona and particularly at Talladega. Well, Ford, uh, nine of the top 13 finishers today. Um, Chevrolet had the other four there and, and the top Toyota was uh, 17th. 
So um, clearly, yeah, like you said, I mean, it's it it seemed like hey, Ford had that strength. Ford was teaming up together. Ford works well together. Um, the other manufacturers obviously have tried to do this, try to do the same thing, but. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, the Ford strength uh, has been really impressive. And and those nine of the top 13 finishers don't even include Joey Logano or uh, Eric Almirola, who we certainly thought would be um, up in the top 10. I, I did at least. So, um, yeah, I mean, really, really strong all day, obviously. And uh, you would expect no different uh, for the regular season finale at Daytona. Um, yeah, I, I just uh, – it's, it's interesting how, you know, I could I could see – Hey, like, you know, these next two races, these, these last two with this package, with this car, um, you know, maybe let's just overlook them. Maybe let's look somewhere else, but you could see the power of when you focus on a certain type of track and, and really get your strategy, right. Um, it can really pay benefits for all the way down, you know, to an Anthony Alfredo getting his career best finish to, uh, a chase Briscoe getting finishing 11th today after, you know, he's obviously, um, had a rough start to the season. Cole Custer getting a top 10. I mean, it, 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 it doesn't just win you the race. Um, it really trickles down through everybody. I guess that's a career best finish for, for Chase yeah. Briscoe, obviously as well, his first top 15 of his career. So yeah, he yeah, too. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, it really, it really lifts everybody in the whole manufacturer group. So there's, there's a lot to be said for that. It is. And I know, you know, Doug Yates and the Yates program have done, a, have really committed themselves to, to, these races, I mean, the, the Yates legacy is at Daytona and Talladega, and they, they matter. They, it matters to do well there. And when you look at the other manufacturers, I mean, today the Hendrick cars, you know, Chase Elliott kind of got caught up in a wreck. Alex Bowman got knocked out because of a wreck. Kyle Larson lasted all of, what, eight laps or something with an engine issue. So the Hendrick cars, which are, have been good in these races as well, they just – they, they kind of fell by the wayside largely. I mean, William Byron was it, and he, but he, you know, he, he was never in a position to really do much because he got caught up in a little bit of wreck and had to come back from that. And then the Toyota cars were just, I mean, Denny Hamlin's day went from very promising. It looked like he was going to be in contention to win this race again to back-to-back pit road speeding penalties, and he could never recover, and that knocked him out. And when you have so few cars like Toyota does, we saw in the Daytona 500 what happens. We saw it again today. They, the margin of error is so small, and when you guys when you have guys who have issues and your ranks start dwindling, all of a sudden, what do you do? And that's what happened for Toyota today. Uh, anything else from this race that you want to touch on before we move on to the your favorite segment with the was it a good race poll? Uh, Casgrala, another top 10 finish today, three career starts for him. And he's got two top 10 finishes How about Collie that? racing, by the way, that's their Collie racing second top 10 of the year. They also finished top 10 at Daytona road course, AJ Elmendinger. Very curious what they're building there. RCR good run with Tyler Reddick and Austin Dillon. Dillon is in a decent spot for the playoffs right now. And Reddick's season has kind of turned around quietly a little bit. He's had some top 10 finishes the last few weeks or last you know handful of races, starting to show some uptick a little bit there. So that's my takeaway. I think what you mentioned earlier, though, about some of these guys who, who needed the win, the Almirillos, the Chastains, the Matt DeVettos, uh, th- this was an opportunity lost for them, and I think they're going to probably come back and regret that. Yeah, yeah. So, Jordan, uh, yet another victory for you last week in the – Yeah. Just another just star. Just got a yawn. <sighs> <sighs> As I said That's last I week, do. you seem to have the uh, pulse of the fans, and man of I people, believe Jeff. man of the people. 
what did you miss it last week by like 0.7 or something like that? Yeah, you, know, I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to toot my own horn or anything. Uh-huh. Beep, beep. You know, man, the people over here, uh, it is what it is. I just think you just, you gotta, you gotta take a step back and look at it from a, a, a 10,000 degree, 10,000 foot angle instead of just, you know, the little microscope sometimes. Uh, uh-huh. okay. Well, Mr. Man of the people, what is your guess for this week's, uh, what your people will say for this race? Uh, 75%. Typical tell. Okay, go ahead. No, go ahead. Please make fun of me again. Go ahead. Make criticize me. Condemn me. Tell me I'm an idiot. Please. I'm begging you. Oh, yes. I'm so, I'm moronic. Oh, I know. It's so, what am I thinking? I'm asinine, you idiot. Yes, I know. Oh, my God. Please. I'm sorry. This is like every week lately. You throw out some guests, and I immediately oh, no. might immediate reaction is no way. Are you trying to let me win on purpose? Like that is so far off. I can't, there's no way that that's going to be true. And then of course, every week you are like exactly right on. And I'm the one looking totally foolish. So, uh, please tell me why I'm wrong. Well, I just think it's going to be in the eighties. I don't think it's going to be in the seventies. I I think it's going to be being conservative. I, I actually would have gone higher, but I thought I was trying to like back it down a little bit. No, I, I think it'll be in the 80s, um, I, I guess, but I'm certainly not going to be overconfident about that. But um, no, I think it'll be, I'd say maybe like a 84-ish. Okay. Maybe that's too high, but um, yeah, I, I think it'd be an, it, maybe uh, now Now I'm kind of questioning myself, of no, course. But I think, I think you're right. I think, I, I mean, I was try, I went with 75 because I'm trying to win this thing and I was trying to just be Well, I need to. I need to close the gap because as you know, uh, Big Joe Wall seventy two on Twitter is keeping our score every week. He tweets, and you, you know, he also keeps track of not only who is right, but the overall uh, differential of how far off we were. Um, you know, you're you're really taking a huge lead on that. So I've got to cut into it. I can't just, I can't just prices right you anymore and try to say, <laughs> okay, well, I'm just going to go one percent ahead of you because you know, then I will, I will really lose. So. Um, Jordan, we talked about, uh, before that, um, you know, you're going to give sort of like a Jordan award. Uh, I don't know what we want to call it. Uh, the, the Bianchi Binky. So your driver of the day. Uh, I don't know what we call it exactly. Your, your, your Jordan trophy. Uh, um, yeah, anyway, do you want to have a, we'll have to a, a name for that? I forgot do you want to have a, a driver of the day? It doesn't have to be necessarily who won, but just the person that, uh, most impress you today to get your inaugural award? Well, considering I pretty much ripped him and criticized him and condemned him and, and questioned everything he did throughout this race and, and kind of said that he's probably never going to win a cup race in his career, I'm going to go with Matt D. What? Um, yeah, I know. Leaves with a fifth place finish. He had. A You're going to give him your award a, for the driver of the day, even though you spent. We argued for like 20 minutes on this podcast about how he's just yeah, he's not. He led the most laps today. He had a very good day. He left with a top five finish. And again, he won a stage, got 10 points. Is that his, I, I don't want to say for sure, but that might be his first stage win of his career. I, I think that if I'm not mistaken, I think that both stage winners today, it was their first stage win okay. ever, but I did not see that stat, but I, it ran through my head. He so doesn't I'm have not men. sure. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely Bubba's first career yep. stage win. And I think it might have been De Benedetto's, possibly. So yeah, um, interesting that that 
that's the case. But yeah, no, I could, I'd, I think he does deserve One your driver of the day. Yeah, picked up ten valuable points, and he cut that. You know, without he didn't lead points. the most laps though. I, was, I see that Denny oh, Hamlin right, uh, right. down way down the order here. Uh, ended up leading more, but he led the second most. So yeah, yes. he did a good job. He put himself in position to win the race, which is what you have to do. Uh, he leaves here with a top five finish. What have, should have, could have, maybe. But what, regardless, I think if you look at it, I, I can't give it to Keselowski because I mean Keselowski did what Brad did, and this was a atypical win for him and only leading one lap. So give it to Matt. At least he won something today. How about nine different drivers led double digit laps today? It was a competitive um, race. It was a really. It was a very good, entertaining race where it, it never felt like, oh, my goodness, this guy or this team is going to win this race. And I, and I know we talked about the Fords and the Penske cars were up there, but there was never a time where I just felt like even when Hamlin was leading, it kind of felt like Denny was kind of on an island a little bit himself. I, I like this race. I thought it was good. The, the crash I didn't like. I don't like to see people flip. I don't like to see drivers put at risk. But to me, this was about as good a Talladega race as you're going to see. Um. Let's talk about IndyCar real quick. Uh, last week, we talked about IndyCar and F1. F1 was off this week, but uh, we got some listener feedback that they seem to like us talking about uh, some of the other series as well. So before we go, let's talk about IndyCar. Um, St. Pete today and Colton Herta, who wrecked out um, on the opening lap of last week's race, thanks to uh, getting caught up in Joseph Newgarden's wreck. Uh, finished really second today. Dominated the race, that's right. And so they finished 1-2 after they had, you know, been taken out. And of course, you know, last week it was like, oh man, you know, they're in this huge points hole now and, and all the stuff. And then they are able to, to come right back and, um, really sort of reestablish themselves, uh, especially Herd. I mean, he was really impressive today. Every time I looked at, at the screen, he was leading aside from, um, poor Jimmy Johnson being, um, you know, in the tires or spinning Oh, that one, that one moment, where where Jimmy Johnson mm. went off course and and he got stuck in the tires and he couldn't back up and it was just the camera was just on him it, it was just I, I it was painful to watch I felt so bad for him it was a, um, it was a tough day for Johnson I mean the, the good thing is he was able to continue and continue to log laps and if you look at his lap speeds and everything they weren't they were respectable at the end so that that's encouraging by the way Colton heard it to me is probably something we don't it isn't talked about a lot. The kid's 21 years old. He's a phenom. I mean, he really is. This is his third IndyCar season. Last year, he won a race, finished third in the point standings. Two years ago, won two races as a rookie. People just – he's very unassuming, very quiet. He isn't a look-at-me guy. He isn't, there's really nothing other than the fact that he's 21 years old and the son of Brian Herter. There's nothing about him that really you know, stands out. He's just exceptional, and he's 21 years old, and he continues to win on a regular basis in this series – I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that this he's going to win the championship this year, but there's every reason to think he's going to be in the mix. And to come back from the incident he had last week, which was very frustrating, to come back to St. Pete, win the pole, lead, I think he led 97 of 100 laps today, right. and just put a whooping on this field. That is a maturity of a driver you just don't see from veterans, from guys who've been around a long time. And you see it from a 21-year-old, 30-year driver. That's darn impressive. And you have now, uh, because of the way that the standings sort of got shaken up, uh, you have the top four drivers in the standings are all within five points of each other. So um, IndyCar early on, you know, unlike Scott Dixon, like opening by winning eight races in a row or something to start the year, uh, you know, it looks like it's going to be quite a competitive season 
So that, that should be pretty interesting. In fact, the top 10 drivers in the standings are all within 20 points. Yeah. Um, so going to be interesting to, to keep an eye on that um, as the IndyCar season progresses as well. Texas next, too, which is going to be very interesting. Doubleheader at Texas, and that's the one of the few oval races they have this year. Yeah, and I mean, to think about two ovals uh, coming up next already, um, and then followed by the uh, Indy Road Course and Indy 500. Um, and like you said, a doubleheader. Uh, very, very interesting. That's going to be definitely something to watch next weekend. So Yeah. Anyway, um, please be uh, sure to check out our work on The Athletic. We're continuing to do uh, some different things, throw some different things at you, like this uh, race preview that we did for Talladega this week. It was actually open to everybody, so yeah. anybody could uh, click on that, check that out. Um, first we've time we've... we got big things down the pike here, too. I, can't, I don't want to give away or anything, but we, I, I know we've got some big things coming down over the next you know, month or so, so I'm excited what you're going to see. If you're not a subscriber to The Athletic... Join us, uh, be part of the team, and I think you're going to be very satisfied with what you uh, you see. And, of course, you can go to theathletic.com slash the teardown uh, to see the latest deal that we have. Not sure exactly what the uh, the price is at this point. Changes often, but uh, check out theathletic.com slash the teardown. Thanks so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time right here on The Teardown. <laughs>